transformational change. Real people, real pain, real hopelessness, real healing. Witness firsthand the challenges that men and women from around the world faced head-on and how, through their adversity, they became stronger and happier. Battling a life-threatening illness, surviving an abusive relationship, overcoming addiction, suffering the heartbreaking loss of a child, wrestling with self-sabotaging thoughts, losing and finding love. These are just a few of the transformational stories that will encourage you and change your perspective in chaos to clarity. A global voice of contributing authors bears their souls for you. Their unfettered honesty is a gift to all and connects us to the butterfly effect of universal oneness. Just as the flapping of a tiny wing can change weather patterns around the world, a small inspiration may impart positively on another's life. The tears shed from these stories may make waves on distant shores, and your peals of laughter may become someone's breath of life. Change is part of the natural order of life. In this inspirational book, authors Caganello and Canavas offer their expertise on the spirituality and psychology of change and explain why change is not only necessary, it's good for you. Welcome to the heart of our shared humanity. Discover hope for the future and a blueprint for your life in these life-changing pages. I'm Richard Dugan, your host on this special edition, a month-long look at the book, Chaos to Clarity. The entire month is devoted to authors from this book to help you and encourage you. Stay tuned. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And keep this in mind. I have declared the year 2020, the year of perfect vision. So let's go from chaos to clarity. Let's go from change to perfect vision here in 2020. The entire month of January, stay with us here on Tell Me Your Story. Now let's go find out about change in chaos to clarity. And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. This is a special series of programs we're doing on this broadcast, on this this program, dealing with the book entitled Chaos to Clarity, Sacred Stories of Transformational Change. We have been featuring throughout the entire month of January the authors, many of the authors from this series of uh, stories that are contained in this book, and we encourage you to go to sacredstoriespublishing.com to get more information and even purchase a copy for yourself uh, of this wonderful book that I think is very inspirational, and I think it will help you on your journey of transformation as well. I know that it has helped me as I have moved through these uh, interviews throughout the entire month of January, which kicks off our campaign 2020. It is the year of perfect vision. And we certainly hope that uh, you have begun the process of uh, going within 
And uh, using that inner vision to find your purpose, to find your focus, uh, to find the things that are of meaning to you and the people around you as well. Today's program, I think you're going to enjoy. We're going to be talking with our guest today, who is, again, one of the contributors to the Chaos to Clarity series of stories. Her particular story is Now My Family Genes. G-E-N-E-S, fit into my denim jeans, J-E-A-N-S. And her name is Christy Turnaby, and I want to thank you uh, for joining us here on the program. It's a great pleasure to have you as one of the many contributors who have participated in this series here in January 2020. Well, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, You're all the way in Georgia, is that right? I am. And of course... Go ahead. Cloudy and rainy here. <laughs> Cloudy and rainy. I was going to say it's probably a little cool there as well this time of the year. It is, and people are surprised that we are so far south that it snows here, but it does. <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you what, we uh, here in Santa Barbara experienced that when my wife and I took off for uh, Thanksgiving weekends, leaving on Thanksgiving morning. We're only at 2,200 feet above uh, sea level, um, basically out looking out over the ocean, and we got a dusting of snow up at our home. So uh, a little unusual, but it happens, and it's uh, it was really very cool. I even heard reports that there were actually uh, so a little bit of snow falling in Santa Barbara, which is much closer to the beach. So uh, the weather patterns are certainly not what they used to be, but uh, they certainly give us... Uh, Give us some some interesting weather and actually some kind of fun stuff. So uh, yeah, it's really kind of cool. Now, you uh, first of all, let's start with how you became connected with Cat and Patricia, Reverend Patricia, and this collaboration that they've put together that you have joined uh, in regards to the stories that you are sharing within uh, the pages. Of this uh, this very unique uh, and exciting book, actually. Well, I had met Teresa Velarde many many years ago at a conference in Las Vegas, and I saw something that someone posted about her writing a book for them on Facebook, and I didn't know she had become an editor. I knew she was part of the Women's Entrepreneur Group, and I thought, oh, this is so exciting because I had been looking for someone to help me write my book. And she decided to take on this project much much to her dismay. It's probably the most difficult book she ever wrote wrote with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I have to give her credit for taking all the mess and organizing it into something that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Taking all the mess. Uh, You know, that's interesting the the way you put that, because um, we've been talking about uh, the issues of change and chaos, and um, change is something that I'm encouraging people to discontinue their fear of and actually embrace it, love it, uh, be excited about it. Uh, It kind of keeps the adventure alive. You just never know what's going to happen around the corner. And the fact of the matter is change is the only constant in the universe, which is kind of strange uh, to think of, but it is true. I was a seven-year-old sitting in mass one morning, and I was trying to do two quick blinks of the eyes as fast as I could to make them identical. And it didn't take me long to figure out that that was impossible. It was physically, uh, quantum physically, 
uh, impossible for me to blink fast enough for them to be identical because everything's in motion. Everything's in in flux. And uh, I love the phrase, especially from uh, economists, when when the numbers come out, and especially when they're bad, and they say, in these uncertain times, to which I say, could you please tell me when we had certain times? And honestly, we never have. We've never had certain times. But what's real interesting about your story, now my family genes fit into my denim genes. Um, My wife and I did our... Uh, 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 DNA testing and to, to find out a little bit more about where our family comes from in spite of what we were told or maybe because of what we were told by family and friends, relatives and so forth down through the years. I thought and I was a lot. What happened? <laughs> well, I found out I was a lot more Irish, a lot less Irish than I expected, which was okay. I'm still Irish. Uh-huh. I found out that I'm Eastern European Jewish, did not know that. Now, it's a very huh. small percentage, but it's it's still in there. But I also found that initially, the initial results were that uh, I used to joke about this when I was a kid growing up because of what I was told, that I was Heinz 57. Heinz 57. Uh-huh. I, was, I was from all over the place, right? Well, the DNA said I was from five of the seven continents. Oh, wow. And then I found out the biggest part of all was... And I wondered why it was that I didn't really want to connect. I was born and raised in Phoenix, where you have a lot of different Native American tribes, right? Right. I didn't want to get involved with the Native American tribes because I didn't want to interfere with their their culture, their lives, and so forth. In other words, I didn't want to be intrusive, okay? Right. Turns out, my DNA shows that I am a member of uh, Native American tribes from North, Central, and South America. Oh, wow. <laughs> Among other places. So when uh, I take it, you had your DNA tested? I did. And what before you received the results, what did you know at that point about your genes, about your family history and, and where your family came from on the globe? Well... Mine was kind of a different test. My daughter took a test that said that we're Korean, which surprised me because we came from the island of Kushu in Japan. And so we're thinking, well, how come we're not Japanese? We're Korean. But that was interesting. And, of course, she has some that I don't have. I have English and Japanese or Korean. And my husband has um, Hungarian or Austrian and Italian. So there's quite a mixture in my kids, but um, what I found out from my genetic test is that I am an MTHFR person, which means I don't folate my, I don't methylate my folates properly. Okay, you better define what that means. (laughs) That means that in the process of metabolism, if you don't, Methylate, which which means adding a CH3 methyl group to your folic acid, then you're creating a situation where you raise your homocysteine, which is an inflammatory marker, raising the possibility of cancer, heart disease, and diabetes. So I had to learn how to compensate for that deficiency in my diet. And in the process, I felt better digested better, and had more energy. So that was the benefit of this. Okay. And after 
you had the testing. Uh, you, well, you did share with us uh, some of those elements. Uh, but yours was a, a search for answers to your health conditions, and that's what you really found. And I find it interesting. You are as blunt at the beginning of your story as I am at the beginning of my book. Uh, when you start out by saying, and these are the first four words of her story, folks, Christy, you're getting fat. Oh. <laughs> Who said that to you? My husband. And are you still married to this guy? Yes, <laughs> I am. And how did you feel when he said that? Well, I had decided long ago that it, it, it did hurt my feelings, but the thing is, I was working at this really, really hard, and I didn't want to get heavy like my relatives and get any big belly like my grandfather on my father's side, and so it was a challenge for me, but the problem was I was always hungry, and I had to figure out, why am I always hungry? Mm. And it was because of this uh, uh, digestive genetic issue. Deviance. <laughs> Ge- uh, okay. Well, we'll we'll call it a, a genetic disposition. <laughs> a genetic disposition. Um, so, what was your at that moment when he said that to you? What was your initial course of action that you thought you felt you were? told you should take well it wasn't i had started way before he said this Mm -hmm. and um i was struggling with you know what do i eat he says you know you're eating enough for three people and and i'm saying well i know but i'm hungry (laughs) and then i'm gaining belly fat and i'm going i can't do this and walk and i can't walk so i said something has to change here so I went through the process of fine-tuning my foods to eat exactly as much as I needed so that I could eliminate properly and have enough energy throughout the day. Mm. And that's a process. I, I, and, and you know what that raises? And again, folks, I don't want to be uh, overly crass here by any means, but you mentioned something that I have been thinking about for the last uh, a couple of years, but especially since my wife has sort of been intrigued by this one uh, a program on Hulu um, about these very obese or overweight individuals who they can't move either. They can barely roll out of bed. I mean, they're they're enormous, six, seven hundred, eight hundred pounds. I, I can't right. imagine that they're even still alive. Their body hasn't crushed them. But you mentioned something about elimination, and I thought when when you put gasoline into a car into the tank, and it goes through the internal combustion engine, the exhaust or elimination, that's what that is. And it's a, it's right. a, it's a cloud of, 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 of smoke particles, okay? Of, it's basically, it's what it is. It's, it, it's the, the gas, the liquid has been turned into ash. That's what it is. When you see smoke clouds, well, you, we call it smoke, but that's really ash up in the heat, heated air. That's what that is. And then uh-huh. it comes down to the ground. And I thought... They've been getting more and more efficient with uh, internal combustion engines to where it burns, you know, they're, they're burning cleaner. Maybe they even changed the fuel mixture a little bit so that it burns cleaner. So there's not so much ash coming out the tailpipe. And I thought, isn't there a diet that we could take in that would 
almost, almost eliminate the elimination process to where well, more of the food I, would I be metabolized. Yeah. I thought that too, but I thought, well, that's not good either. Because when I tried to do that, that wasn't good either. You've got to keep your colon moving and you've got to keep your bones regenerating and degenerating. And you've got to keep your system renewing because if you don't, then it hits a place of homeostasis and it kind of just stops. It stagnates. Mm -hmm. So for example, when people were supposed to take Actinel and Fosamax and that, I decided not to because my husband's a biochemist and he says I wouldn't take that. So I didn't. (laughs) Okay. And then years later, they found out that what happens is, yes, it does strengthen your bone and it does preserve your bone, but they still had more breaks because it was old bone. It needs to be new regenerating bone. So we need to keep our bodies in a state of regeneration, even as we age. Okay. So the the uh, aspect of our bodies eliminating it, it needs to be maintained because those are the systems that are in, in in place and if you as as the phrase goes if you don't use them you lose them right and that's not right. good either that's right you've got to keep okay. things moving did you ever watch this program i'm thinking about on hulu as like my 600 pound whatever they, i have seen it yeah there's this one doctor who these people find out about, and, and some of them do great. I mean, some people have lost hundreds of pounds to where now they are able to walk and run and do all well, the things. He, isn't this a doctor somewhere in Houston that he says, yes, for me to do the, the bypass or the stomach stapling or whatever he does, mm-hmm. you have to lose 150 pounds first. Right. And people do. They can do this. Mm-hmm. But then they say, well, I'll just get the surgery and that'll work. But I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to have that. We had one lady in our neighborhood who had that done and her stomach grew shut and she couldn't digest anything Mm. and she couldn't keep anything down. Oh, wow. So they had to go in and surgically open her back up so things would go through. Hmm. Well, obviously those are extreme measures, uh, you obviously, uh, if may I ask how heavy you were at your heaviest? Um, I was never really, really heavy. Okay. I started on this and I, I just started so that I could digest and, and feel more energy. But you also talked too about how it was difficult to walk, uh, just to move around. It so, was. And I found out that I had something called hip pain and, it, it was there was five reasons I had hip pain. Um, the first reason was that I had inflammatory foods in my diet. I had to Im- eliminate some of those inflammatory foods. Okay, and what were those for you? They were wheat and tomatoes. Oh, I know. I love tomatoes, and I I have the same issue as far as inflammation is concerned. Uh, uh, and it's like, oh, huh, you're going to take away <laughs> you take away some of my favorite foods. But one of the things that I found, and I want to, I'd like for you to talk about this a little bit. One of the things that I discovered when, and I've, I've, I've reached 200 pounds. I'm five, I'm five nine now. I thought I was five eleven, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but apparently I'm shrinking. But then again, I'm almost sixty, and I guess that's what happens when you cross over that particular line. Um, but what I found when I reached 200 pounds, 
I was uncomfortable, not because of the physical weight, but because of the number. I'm saying, that's not me. When I met my second wife, who I am still with today, back in 1998, I weighed 175 pounds. I thought, I want to get back down to 175. Well, I was bicycling everywhere back then. Now Mm -hmm. I drive. Now I drive. Yeah. And yet the 200 pounds psychologically just bothered the heck out of me, right? And I I refuse to go on a diet. I don't believe in them because what you say is I'm going to lose X number of pounds. Well, from what I have learned on these programs that we do, when you say I'm going to lose, what do you usually do down the road? You you find it again. I lost my keys. Oh, I'll find them. You lose the weight, you'll find it. I know. I realize it's some people say that's uh, mind games and semantics and so forth, but I want to get rid of, right? Well, I think I've been hovering around 195, and you want to know something? I'm good uh-huh. with that. If I'm hovering in that yeah. range, hey, I'm good with that. I'm 60 years old. I'm not fat. I, I have maybe a little bulge in the belly, not huge. My wife uh-huh. says, you're not overweight, and I because I used to be self-conscious of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I can still put on 38 inch, uh, 38 inch waist pants, I'm good too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what about this dynamic that you were going through, not just with you physically, as far as losing whatever weight or getting rid of whatever weight or changing your diet, your family, your husband in particular, did he, because to say to someone using those words, I probably would phrase it to if, if my wife were in need of doing this, I would say, I'm, I'm concerned about your weight. I would try to be more gentle, you know what I'm saying? As opposed well, to, honey, you you're know, fat. It's a, it's a man who's speaking to me that has gotten a big belly himself. And I'm going, how can you tell this to me when you're in the same boat I am? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what about that in terms of uh, in terms of your process, okay, of changing your, uh, the, the people around you changing, because when you put on that mental process of, oh my gosh, I, I, I need to do something about my weight. In other words, now you're focused on it. And it's kind of like you're giving that your power, right? Right. That kind of goes out to the people around you. Did you sense that, that other people, did, were you self-conscious after that point, or were you even self-conscious before then uh, in, in regards to your weight and knowing, I need to do something? Well, I was self-conscious before, and I have a genetic factor that caused me to expand rapidly from 55 to 58, and I'm going, God, that's not fair. I mean, here's <laughs> these other people that are losing weight and maintaining their original 25-year-old body, and I can't do that. I mean, I don't think 85% of the population can do that. Yeah. But what I can do is I can feel good, I can have the energy to go do the fun things I want to do, and I can digest properly so that I'm not constipated. Yeah. And I had to figure out what's constipated. So, like my friend Sally, who started this with me, um, she lives in Colorado, and we graduated medical technology school together, and 
she was she was eliminated four to five times a day, and I went, "Whoa!" I said, "That's never going to happen to me." Mm-hmm. But she, they have high mineral content in Colorado, and I said, "Well, maybe you should be taking a different form of magnesium." So she found something else, which mm. helps her feel better. Now there was a pivotal moment, if I'm not mistaken, here when tell us about this when your when your parents uh, your parents passed. Well, my grandmother, and I don't think it's in the story, was paralyzed when she was 70. And then when it happened to my dad also, and I'm thinking, I've got the same hip pain. I'm going, how can I overcome this hip pain and be a health coach if I, if I can't deal with this? So what I found out is the number two thing about what causes pain is that I was missing some nutrients. In my diet. Okay. So I had to add some magnesium and I had to add some B vitamins to my diet. Okay. But you were also on what most people get on, especially here we, you know, the month of January is, is the month of resolutions, you know, New Year's and all of that. And usually at the top of the list is I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to go on a diet. Now the holidays are over, uh, you know, the binge eating and that kind of stuff is over because, you know, no more parties, that kind of thing. Uh, at least not until Easter <laughs> or Valentine's Day, I should say. Right. Um, uh, y- you know, and that's one of the reasons why I, I personally, for me, I'm not putting this on anyone else. I don't believe in diets because when you go on a diet, as I said earlier, uh, you know, I, I modify my diet. I drink, I consume very little dairy. Uh, my wife and I are, are, are as health conscious as we can. We try to buy only organic. Uh, we do stay away from tomatoes because I don't like the inflammation and I don't like the pain in my knees or my ankles or my finger knuckles, my knuckles of my hand, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. So I know what to stay away from. I'm getting better at staying away from sodas, but that's, you know, it's one of those things. Um, so I'm modifying the diet as I go. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about your, as you phrase in the story here, my your diet merry-go-round. How long did that go on? Um, it started when I was 45, and I'm 65 now. Okay. And it's been a process of change, and it seems that with each decade, then you're dealing with another change in your body. You're exercising less. You're losing muscle mass. And you have to accommodate for that. You don't need as much protein as you thought you did. Mm. So that's been a big revelation because I love to eat and that didn't work. (laughs) Yeah. I find the phrase foodie uh, a little disingenuous because we all eat and we Mm -hmm. all have to eat to survive. So that makes everybody a foodie. There are no special categories. She's a foodie. He's not a foodie, you know, and so forth. Um, and there are, don't you, don't you see people that don't require a lot of food and they're not really hungry all the time? Oh, I know. I know. It's, it's very interesting. And I've noticed, I don't know about you as you've gotten a handle on this, but I've noticed that, uh, yes, there are some meals when I will, I, I will not stuff myself. Oh my God. As a kid growing up in my twenties and thirties at Thanksgiving, two plates Mm -hmm. and I would just pack it away and then I was uncomfortable and I said I'm not doing that to myself anymore 
And so I will get a little bit of everything that's on the table there and try a little bit of everything. And if I want something that I really liked, I'll get a little bit of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I will get full, but I am not going to stuff myself. This is ridiculous. Why people, how, how and why people do that. It's like, do you think that this is your last meal and you're going to the the electric chair or something? Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, it takes discipline to not stuff yourself. Yeah. And it takes discipline to feel satisfied when you're not really overly full. So. And, and one of the things that, I, that, that, that struck me about discipline, share with us your struggles with discipline, too. And that is, I remember, I don't know, maybe 15, 20, 30 years ago. I, uh, you know, I was always being told, you know, make sure to brush your teeth. I mean, you were told this as a kid growing up, right? Right. Well, you know, I'm an adult and I should be doing that, right? And I wasn't doing it regularly. And I was told, you need to do this. And I, I can't, I I can't do that regularly. And then all of a sudden my, my inner voice said, uh, you're an idiot. And if I had a two by four, I'd hit you in the head with it because you have an alarm clock that goes off every morning and you get up. And you mm-hmm. go in and you take a shower, you get cleaned up, you get dressed, you go to work, you go through that routine, you come home, you d- you have discipline to do all of these other things, and all they're asking you to do is incorporate this into your routine. What's the big deal? Yeah, and of course there's a sign above the dentist chair that <laughs> you only keep the teeth that you floss. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I have those. You know, I don't know if you know about this. They have these uh, um, new little flossing tools that you can buy, uh, uh, or or it's a packet of maybe a hundred of them. They're like little little swords with a half circle and then a piece of floss between right. the, the points. I yeah. have those sitting by the bedside because usually uh-huh. we're sitting we're usually sitting up in bed because our living room is our bedroom. Because if we put the bed in the bedroom. There's no room to move around because these are very small. It's a little cottage we live in, maybe a thousand uh-huh. square feet. And so I have one of those right by my bedside so that if we just had whatever we've had, then I go through and I start, I floss. I never used to floss because I hated to try to wrap the floss around my fingers and it hurt because it got tight and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Those were, gr- that's a great invention. But um, I want to ask you about both your psychological and spiritual process. How, how have you changed over the period of time that you have come to? And, and I guess I should back that up and ask you, are you still, do you still struggle with keeping your weight down or have you reached a place of sort of um, uh, equilibrium now? I'm at equilibrium now. Excellent. Excellent. So what and, about the changes in you um, mentally, emotionally, uh, psychologically, and then even spiritually? Well, spiritually, in long time ago, I, I found God. And since my husband and daughter turned against me, I found that God loved me even if they didn't. So it was an eight-year process to get that back under control. And once I got that back under control and got my daughter talking to me again and my husband conversing with me again, um, I set out on my journey to just keep calm and, and not stress because stress raises cortisol, which makes you hungry. So I decided I might as well keep calm and just keep going on this journey of finding the best foods that satisfy you and make you happy and keep you walking and keep you not hurting and 
keep you going so that you can do the fun things you want to do. Yeah. Where were you in your relationship with God before all of this started? Um, I thought I could do everything myself. Mm-hmm. So I found out I needed him to kind of help me and kind of intervene. So if I made changes, I, I noticed that they had to make changes to react to me. They, they didn't get the same old response. So they got a new response and they, they were a little confused by that at first. <laughs> Uh, and and that's one of the things that I talk to people about. There are certain uh, old wives' tales that we've heard or sayings, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me, and it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Yeah. And the other one that I have found is a lie is you can't change other people. That's a lie. And I'll tell you how. You did it by virtue of going through what you went through, you changed your daughter and you changed your husband. Now you weren't doing first. I changed myself. That's correct. And when you (laughs) changed yourself, it changed them. You weren't going into this trying to change them. Right. Right. And that's what I mean by that. We don't, we, it's not something you do consciously. It's not something you do intentionally. It just happens as you go through this transformational process, doesn't it? Right. What about, what about friends, family you've talked about? What about friends around you? Uh, Did you lose some and have they come back? Did you not lose them? Did they, were they supportive? What was the relationship? uh, I I didn't lose friends, but they were incommunicado for a while and because they didn't know how to help me. Mm. So I figured, okay, it's up to me to help myself. Mm. Wow. when I found the process that worked for me and helped my friend and helps my other friends and um, people discuss it on Facebook all over the place, I said, okay, why don't I start a website that teaches people how to walk through this step by step? And in, in addition to Chaos to Clarity, Sacred Stories of Transformation that's available through sacredstoriespublishing.com. Your website, which is available to our listeners, is keystobasichealth.com. And that's uh, keystobasichealth.com. We will be linked to your website as well as to the Sacred Stories Publishing website. So people can not only learn more about the stories that you have shared or the story you've shared, as well as uh, uh, words of wisdom as well in, in the book, but also your website where you uh, share what you've been through and try to help other people. When did you discover, and it sounds like it was very early on, even prior to the, the, this issue, um, uh, that your, your life's purpose was to help people with their health issues? Well, I went to medical technology school because I didn't want to end up in a hospital. I'd seen so many people in hospitals and I saw them in misery and I said, Maybe there's a way to not have to be in a hospital. That would so I be went nice. to medical technology school trying to learn about how antigens work and lectins work, which are antigens, and how things start metabolic pathways. That's why I have my husband, you know, telling me, well, you can't stick a vitamin in here and expect it to work. You have to eat the food, and this is why. And Anyway, that's why I went through this process and married who I married. 
Well, you also have on your website, in addition to uh, some other, some a lot of different materials, you have a whole section uh, on uh, uh, food uh, recipes, if you will. But they are tied, and this is rather fascinating. I'd like to, for you to talk to us about uh, to blood types. Now, to be honest with you, I have no clue what my blood type is. Uh, I would have to check with my uh, physician to see if I could find out what that is. I guess, though, there are four basic blood types. How they came up with these, I don't know. A, A, B, B, and O. And I know there's, uh, within each one of those, I guess there's positive and negative. Uh, but you have recipes in here, and I read something just a second ago that said that, is it correct that you can change your blood type? No, you can't change okay. your blood type. I didn't think so. I must have misread that. But that yeah. you can, you can what, um, fortify it, or what, what, what was the, what did I, I can't even remember where I was clicking and read that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, you've got these recipes on here, and... Uh, so you can actually click on your particular blood type, recipes for e- either of the four blood types. Um, mm-hmm. Isn't there one that's universal? Is that uh, A, B, or is that O? That's O. That's O, okay. But it's a universal donor. So you, okay. That, that means they don't have any antigens, so they can donate to anybody. Any of the other three, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but you have recipes in here that are geared towards specific blood types, is that correct? I do. And... Uh, what is the benefit of these specific recipes for these specific blood types then? Well, to me, it's removing the inflammatory foods that your body doesn't need and can't process and replacing it with more beneficial foods that your body can use. I got to tell you, the pictures, if I could eat them, I would. (laughs) They they all look pretty darn good, let me tell you. Yeah. and and how many recipes do you have up here right now? Um, like not a, a whole lot because I'm a person who doesn't really like to cook. Ah. So I try to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have I have tons and tons of recipes I have collected. Um, I'm always looking for new recipes. I have new recipes sitting on my desk, and they're from other people's websites. So if you can take this information. And apply it to the recipes you look for on other people's websites, then I think you'll be happier and healthier. What about the uh, the more esoteric aspects of doing this for self? Uh, the more spiritual, the more metaphysical, if you will. Um, I mean, in addition, obviously, to losing the weight and feeling more comfortable, uh, obviously not hurting when you walk or do whatever you want. You don't have to roll out of bed. Maybe you can even jump out of bed right. um, and so forth. Do, as you said earlier, do the things you really want to do. What are some of the, shall we say, the the testimonials of people you've worked with who are committed to doing this? And I guess that's a another part of the question is uh, what's the what's the ratio, if you will, or percentage of those who are genuinely committed and those who really are struggling uh, and and just really find it hard to to follow the advice that you're that you're offering. Well, I have a 74-year-old woman who just signed up for the emails, and 
she is diabetic, and she told me she lost seven pounds. Um, she doesn't adhere to it because I guess her digestion isn't causing her problems right now. Um, but she's trying to get off of her diabetes medication. So I think she's gotten off her blood pressure medicine. Well, I can tell you that I don't have firsthand. I'm working on that part, too. I have uh, uh, HB. <laughs> HP, I should say. Uh, that's what I like to call it, HP. Um, mm-hmm. But I know that um, my boss, my current boss, uh, I don't know what his weight was, but he lost over 90 pounds on a particular mm-hmm. diet through Sansom Clinic here in Santa Barbara. He and his mm-hmm. wife both uh, had lost weight. And uh, one of the things that he had to do it for was, of course, he had motivation financially so that he could get his life insurance renewed uh, uh. because he was pre-diabetic, if, if not in that stage, and also had high blood pressure. And this is one of the fascinating things I'd love for you to talk about. When he lost the 90 pounds... The whole issue of diabetes and high blood pressure were gone. Yeah. Talk to us about that aspect that we don't hear from physicians today. They want to give us medications like what I'm taking for HB, uh, HPB. Um, They want to give us medications rather than say, you know what? If you really want to make it permanent, get rid of it, drop a few pounds. Well, when, when people say drop a few pounds and you're hungry, you're going, how do I do this? You know? Yeah. And But that see, that's where you come in. Be- that's where you come in. That's where I come in because it's, it's hard when you're always hungry. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, were you ever hungry in school when you were growing up? When you went well, I to, when wasn't you- hungry in school when I was growing up. The problem is I couldn't stay awake in school. Ah, but it had nothing to do with a lack of uh, food and or nutrition. Well, I wasn't eating properly then. Uh, okay. So. Well, because I heard a politician say uh, a couple of years ago when they wanted to do away with the uh, the food programs in the schools uh, that uh, your kids, they, they don't need, you know, food has nothing to do with education and learning. And no, I sat, true. And I sat there going, you're an idiot because we're not going to feed you for three days and let's see how well you do in Congress. Right. Let's see how well you do after three days of not eating. And sometimes kids only get one meal a day, which is just horrific in this country, let alone any mm-hmm. place else in the world. Right. But but uh, uh, when you when you took when you found your purpose, I'm curious as to when that was uh, in this process. Was this pro- this was prior to? I mean, you really felt your life's purpose was to help people with their health issues. Well, I thought I knew everything at 25 and 30, and then things started changing. I hit perimenopause and menopause, and that's when I said, oh, maybe there's something else, and maybe this will help people, and maybe that, you know, I I wanted to be a health coach before, but I said, you know, everybody knows what I know, but fine-tuning it as we get older was the most important thing that I found my purpose for, because when people fine-tune their diet, they can gain their health back. What have you done in the recent past that not only, A, you couldn't do before, as you say in your story, 
buying this ticket that not necessarily is on your bucket list, but it was like, gee, that would be fun to do. I wish I, I wish I could, but I'm in too much pain. I'm this and that and the other. Can, can you share with us some of those joys that you've experienced? Well, I've driven to Connecticut to become a part of Susan Epstein's coaching group. I've driven to Toronto, Canada recently. I just got back about a week ago to join another venture to help people financially. I, I just am on a journey to help people the best way I can by being able to do the things I can do. Hmm. And uh, skydiving isn't in the list. Mountain climbing. <laughs> <laughs> skydiving is not on the list. Mountain climbing would be fun. Yeah. I, I, you know, the old phrase, why would you want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane? <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been asked many times about my bucket list. Uh, I don't have one. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, maybe, maybe there's one thing. But it's not so much from my bucket list. I need to do it before somebody else kicks the bucket. Uh, that's a particular interview I want to do with someone before they pass. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, in terms of, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm happy to be doing the things that I am doing, like this program, talking with people like yourself, Christy, talking about the stories uh, that that are shared within the context of uh, <clears throat> of uh, this particular work, chaos to clarity. Sacred stories of transformational change and your story about how my family genes fit into my denim genes. And uh, that's really interesting, too, as far as getting a DNA test to find out where we're from. But that's there's a big difference between that and doing what you did in terms of trying to figure out why you had the health issues that you have. Right, right. The health issues that you had slash have, have you resolved any of those or are they always going to be a part of your life in that regard? It's kind of like this 74-year-old woman who, you know, is is wanting to do this program and, uh, you know, maybe she's trying to get rid of the diabetes and the high blood pressure. If she was to lose whatever weight it was that she needed to lose, those would go away. And as long as she maintains that lovely lower weight, she's going to be great. She'll be doing the mountain climbing and, and skydiving. Yeah, well, she realized, how do, you, how do you not get diabetes? Well, you just don't eat sugar. How do you not eat sugar? Well, you kind of wean yourself away from it, and then you don't crave it anymore. Okay. But what about, uh, what about you? Are, 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 the, are all of the health conditions you have discovered within yourself, um, are they all still present, and, or have you been able to resolve them through this new they're uh, present and i and i and i uh, manage them through what i eat and Mm -hmm. what i don't eat yeah i'm curious uh, if we were to take a look into cupboards and cabinets in the refrigerator uh i know some people they're stuffed full i mean there's just so much food in there leftovers and all this kind of stuff some science projects as well. I'm curious about your uh, your cabinets and cupboards. If you're eating healthy and fresh foods, I would think that the cabinets and cupboards and fridge would be maybe half full to maybe a third or something like that. Because if you're going to eat fresh, you got to eat it right then and there. Right. They they are. They're well organized. They're well rotated. Um, I do have a husband with me who wants to eat whatever he wants to eat and. That means ice cream and bread and, but 
you know, I just have to deal with him too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and but at the same time, uh, you know, you still love him. You still love your daughter, in spite of the 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 drama if you will and the the challenges and the rift that that came about uh, that you say uh, i guess has been healed it has yeah and so yeah, the relationships are good yeah and we bought a house on a property that he's always dreamed of and that we always told our kids that we wanted and they can't believe that it actually happened that you can think about something and make it happen and that was the fun part <laughs> That's exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, are there any uh, any spiritual practices that you incorporate into uh, this process with helping people with their health and well-being? Well, I thank God every day that I have information from Him and tools that I think are useful in all the Facebook posts that people put up that give me more information about what I need to help people with. <laughs> mm. Well, I'm, I'm uh, very grateful that you have uh, shared your story with us as well as, uh, uh, as well as our, our listeners and uh, as well as uh, the podcasters who are listening. I'm grateful to them, too, for, for expanding our reach because they're taking some of these, these interviews and these links and they're, they're sharing them all over the place. I mean, I send every time I upload a podcast such as this, I put out a tweet saying, hey, this interview is here. Go listen to it. And uh, we are grateful that you are here sharing with us as we kick off 2020, the year of perfect vision. Uh, how do you how do you see yourself today? Uh, how do I see myself? I see myself as a motivated, purposeful individual. <laughs> Christy Turnabeni, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program and for uh, sharing your story with us and uh, being a part of this great work that uh, Pat and Cat have put together. Pat and Cat, okay, maybe they should have put that down yeah. on the. <laughs> well, I want to thank Teresa for introducing me to them and yeah. allowing me to become part of this book. Well, and the thing is, I've talked with the both of them, and apparently there is um, conversation about uh, another volume because they received so many stories uh, and it's really interesting matter of fact i want before we let you go i want to tie this into one of the other uh contributors who wrote about downsizing and quite honestly what you have been experiencing through a very different process in one sense uh is just that a downsizing of your or of your physical uh, physical aspect right yeah. There's a book called Downsize, and, and I put it on this page on one of the blogs, but um, I don't know what he's done, and I know that we have to eat less, just how sometimes. Sometimes it's how. <laughs> and is it, it's not just the eating less, it's eating the right things, right? Eating eating more efficiently. More efficiently. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's going to be... Uh, uh, a great day when Christy, we can reduce the the population's percentage of obese uh, in this country, and I'm hoping that people will start to get the message. I, I 
I cringe every time I see some of these news stories. And, of course, they're panning across people walking up and down the streets. It kind of looks like New York or Chicago, uh, mm-hmm. you know, during a busy afternoon. And they always they don't have the. It's just like from the neck on down. And th- there's just these very large people rolling body image, you know, and it's like, this is our population. My goodness. You know, uh, I mean, there's so much choice out there. Just make wise choices, you know? And the only way to make wise choices though, is to maybe have somebody who can help us. And that would be you, right? (laughs) You would be one anyway. I would think so. Yes. (laughs) Well, Christy, this has been a, a wonderful uh, a conversation, and I uh, I look forward to, to uh, maybe talking with you somewhere down the road and seeing uh, about the progress that some of your people, maybe we can talk about in a very uh, anonymous fashion, uh, some of the uh, uh, stories, good stories, uh, healthy stories, positive stories of people who, in addition to uh, losing uh, or getting rid of whatever the extra weight is that they're carrying, but also... Well, the next guy I'm going to help with his his diet is the guy who has diverticulosis. And that is what? It's the pocketing of your intestines where food collects and you get inflammation and disease. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you do not want that. And that's not due to a blockage per se. No. That's that's a particular condition. Um, You know, that's... uh, Wow. Well, I have three final questions for you that I like to ask all of my guests. And um, I, again, thank you so much. But I want to remind our listeners about the podcast. They're on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, Player FM, Blueberry, and a whole bunch of others, as I said before, that people are linking us to, a lot of, a lot of other podcast sites. And as of this broadcast, we're over just over two years, two years and a month, 13,000 listens oh, that's that's amazing uh, that's wonderful i i am i am eternally grateful and folks if you'd like to support the work that we are doing here we would be grateful for any financial support you can offer we do have for security reasons a paypal and a patreon account if you'd like to contribute and thank you so much for those who have and those who will uh all right so christy the three questions i have for you are in this order one who is Christy Turnabeni. Uh, Christy Turnabeni is a girl who was always interested in health and uh, found something that works for her aging friends and herself and would like to share the information with other people who are aging. <laughs> what is it that you would hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I hope to achieve um, a, a sense of purpose and... and um, and be able to spread this to as many people who want to know as possible. And finally, what is your life's purpose? My life's purpose is to help everybody age better. Christy Turnabeni, I want to thank you again for joining us, for giving us so much time, and I wish you, I wish you continued success, not only with your own personal work, but also that uh, uh, with which you facilitate through your website. And again, a reminder that her website is Keys to BasicHealth.com. Keys to BasicHealth.com. And we do get a glimpse of you on your website, do we not? That is you in that circle over on the right-hand side? Well, that is 
the my website developer's idea of what he thinks I look like. Ah, okay. So that isn't you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, very good. And again, I thank you so much for giving us uh, this time. And uh, we hope to uh, hope to talk to you again further on into the 2020 year. Okay, thank you so much, Richard. And I thank those of you listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, and this special edition of Chaos to Clarity, Sacred Stories of Transformational Change we have had on the program today. Our special guest who wrote a story in this book on how my family genes fit into my denim genes, Christy Turnabeni, has been my guest, and I thank you for listening. And until next time, love to love.